Hey, everybody. And we're in this series called Anxious for Nothing, where we're taking a close look at this passage of Scripture that's been so helpful for so many people. It's Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And last week, Ben issued this dare to all of us to memorize a part of that passage of Scripture, verses 6 and 7. And you know what? I found that something has happened in my life this week as I have spent some time pouring over those words, letting them soak into me, letting them become a part of part of my life. And you know, something powerful has happened. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. I want to encourage you to spend some time committing those words to memory. I have found, and I know that you will find that there is great power and there's a lot of value in committing God's word to memory, hiding those words in your heart. So today we're going to stand together and we're going to read these words, Philippians 4, 4 through 9, just like we did last week. Let's read this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. You can go ahead and be seated. Those are some great words for us today. Well, today we're going to zero in on the part of that verse that we're memorizing that says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition. And since we're going to talk about prayer today and its relationship to anxiety, it just seems fitting to start this time, this situation right now, by talking to God for a moment. So let's pray together. God, you made us. You love us and you know us. You know the things that cause us to be anxious. You know the parts of our lives that we are willing to share with others. But then you also know the deepest pains and concerns in our lives that sometimes we dare not share, even with those with whom we are the closest. We cling to the knowledge that you are near, right here with us. And in our moments of anxiety, help us to learn to turn to you. In the next few moments, Lord, speak to us. For your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. When we look at the statistics, the National Institute of Mental Health says that about a third of us will at some point in our lives experience an anxiety disorder. And that number is based off the people who are actively seeking help. And there are so many more who are suffering silently silently. 
And I want to say this, if that's you today, you are in the right place. You are here for a reason. This is a holy appointment today. You are here for a reason. And it's not because I have anything to say today that, that, is, uh, that it's going to be a magic cure or a quick fix, anything to offer like that. But I do want to tell you this, that God has a peace that He offers you. And He's the only one who can give it. Did you know that you are made perfectly? Like God didn't make a mistake when He made you. The book of Psalms says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made in the image of God. And when you're in those moments of anxiety, you might feel hopeless. You might feel like no one cares. It might seem like no one cares. Or even worse, that no one understands what you're going through. Like you're in this all alone. You feel like there's no foundation to your life. But I want you to hear this. You are not broken. And you are not a mistake. The Bible is full of truth about who you are. And who you are meant to be. Second Timothy says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. But of power and love. And self-discipline. You know what? Anxiety. Anxiety is a response that's from God. Hear me on this. That anxiety, anxiety response is there to keep you from danger. And when you're out in the woods and you see a bear, that response kicks in and it says, hey, we got to do something here. Don't pet the bear. Okay? You go into fight or flight mode. Fight or flight. It's a fear response. It's a response that God gave you to keep you safe. Because he loves you. Our brains send the same signal when we experience real danger and unreal danger. It sends the same signal. So that's like when you're walking in the woods and you see a bear, or when you see a bear on a movie screen and it, screen and it jumps out at you, your brain sends the same signal. There's a rush of adrenaline. Your blood pressure shoots up. Your heart rate increases. Your, your body is preparing for action. It's saying, we got to dig in or Get out. And then you have to decide, is this danger real or not? Hey, a word real quick about bears. This is important stuff. Depending on what kind of bear you encounter, what part of the country you're in, your response needs to be different. Okay, let's say you're here in Maryland and you're attacked by a, a bear. It's going to be a black bear because those are the kind of bears that live in this area. The National Park Service says you're supposed to make yourself look as big as possible and don't run because they're faster than you and use whatever you have to fight back. Now, if you're out west and you encounter a bear, it's going to be a grizzly bear or a brown bear and you, your response has to be different. The National Park Service says that if you're attacked by a grizzly bear, you're supposed to play dead. Leave your backpack on. Lay on your stomach so that you can't be turned over easily. Anybody feeling anxious just hearing about this? I am a little bit, right? <laughs> hey, it's good to know these things ahead of time. Because if you're going to go hiking and you do encounter a bear, you want to have the right tools in your toolbox. You know, you just want to know how to respond in the appropriate way. 
In Bill Bryson's book, A Walk in the Woods, he writes about how he was so worried as he hiked the Appalachian Trail that he would be attacked by a bear. This was a big point of anxiety for him. And he tells in that book about learning how to minimize the chances of encountering a bear while he was out on the trail. And he said this, that he learned that with a black bear, you just want to be a noisy hiker. And you want to stay calm, make a lot of noise. Uh, with a grizzly bear out west, though, hikers have found that it's effective to put tiny little bells on the edges of their clothing to alert the bears of their presence as they're hiking. And another great strategy is to keep your eyes on the ground in front of you looking out for bear scat. Uh, bear scat is the, the droppings. And, and you'll be able to tell that it's grizzly bear scat because it'll be filled with tiny little bells. <laughs> hey, we needed to laugh today, right? Talking about anxiety, we need to laugh a little bit. Hey, when you're living with anxiety, your body is in a constant state of fight or flight. It sounds exhausting, doesn't it? It sounds exhausting. Your heart is always beating fast. The adrenaline is always pumping. You're always on alert. And it's no wonder that so many of us feel tired all the time. Listen to what chronic anxiety does in your body. Fight or flight is initiated by the hormone cortisol. And while that's a good thing when you're facing real immediate danger, like if you see a bear when you're out in the woods, prolonged elevated levels of cortisol in your body can wreak havoc. Cortisol focuses all of the body's resources on urgent survival. And at the same time, it curbs functions that it deems non-essential. So it causes problems all over your body. It does things like gives you digestive problems, headaches, reproductive issues, sleep problems, weight gain, and the list goes on and on. In short, we weren't made to live that way. Hey, listen to these words from Jesus. This is in John 10, 10. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Boy, that sounds like anxiety, doesn't it? Stealing your health killing your joy. And then Jesus says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And if you're always in fight or flight mode, it's hard to live a life to the full. So how do you get that full life that Jesus offers? This has to be dealt with in a holistic way. There are medical and psychological and behavioral aspects to this struggle. And you may need to find some professional help. But this is always a spiritual issue. When we look at Philippians 4 as our guide to this uh, passage, we're using the word calm. And uh, we looked at this last week. First, we need to celebrate. We talked about that. Rejoice. The Lord is near. And then the next A, ask. Prayer works. And then list it. Be thankful. Live a life of gratitude. And then mind your mind. Peace in your heart starts in your head. And today we're on that word, ask. Prayer works. Hey, I believe in prayer. 
I believe in prayer. And I've experienced this in my life, that prayer changes things and prayer changes me. Prayer changes things and prayer changes me. This verse that we're looking at today, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about the big stuff, the things that just pertain to me, my kids, my job, my health, my, your significant other, your lack of a significant other. Well, actually, it's all of those things, right? Because it says, do not be anxious about anything, anything. Some translations will use the word worry. Do not worry about anything. And when I hear that word, man, it gets really personal for me because, you know what, I can worry about some stuff. I know how to do that. I know what it's like to have sleepless nights over things that are life-changing, and some that in hindsight, they just really aren't that big of a deal. And I know that those days when worry consumes me, that I don't, I don't always turn to God like I should. When I'm filled with anxiety and worry, when I let stress take over, it's like I'm praying to myself. My prayer isn't, dear God, help me. But my prayer becomes, Dear Kirk, help yourself. Or, Dear Kirk, smile for the cameras, put on a happy face, and just act like everything's okay. Or, it's Dear Kirk, nobody knows what you're going through. It's kind of hard to misinterpret what Paul is saying when he says, Be anxious for nothing. Like, don't worry about anything. You think you could do that? Man, I wonder what my life would be like if I could devote all the time and energy that I spend worrying into something productive, into prayer. I wonder what this church and this community could be like if, if we could somehow find a way to not let the things that happen to us rob us of joy. You may be thinking right now, hey man, that's easy for Paul to say that. I mean, my life, my life's complicated. I mean, I didn't ask for anxiety. I'm not choosing to be an anxious person. Paul wrote these words from prison. He had some sort of physical ailment that had been an issue for years that he referred to as his thorn in the flesh. He experienced trauma, surviving a shipwreck on the Mediterranean. Christians were being persecuted and killed all over the known world. And Paul is saying, do not be anxious about anything. Give everything to God, no matter what your situation is. Paul says at the beginning of the Philippians letter, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This is a letter of encouragement to people who knew that following Jesus could cost them everything. Paul knew that his imprisonment could ultimately lead to his death, but that didn't seem to stress him out. The way he saw it, if he died, that just meant he was going to be with Jesus. And if he lived, that meant he was just going to live and keep working in the world in the name of Jesus. Even if that meant living and working in chains. As a prisoner. He had some things that he could worry about. But instead of worrying. In every situation. He prayed. 
There's a book in the Old Testament about a guy named Daniel who lived in a pretty tricky time for God's people when they were exiled in Babylon. Since Daniel walked close with the Lord and was a trustworthy dude, he was given a pretty high status in the Babylonian government. But then things changed. The political atmosphere was upended and a new king took over. This new king was tricked by some advisors to pass a law that would incriminate Daniel for praying to God and not to the king. You know, sometimes the things that cause us to worry, the things that cause us to be anxious, are just out of our control. There are things that are done to us, or there are things that affect us. Maybe you have people that are conspiring against you. Or maybe it just seems like everything around you is lining up in the favor of everybody else except you. What do you do when you feel that way? Who do you turn to? There was a trap set for Daniel, and the punishment was being thrown into a den of lions. Guess what Scripture says that Daniel did when he found out about this plot against him? I'll give you a hint. He didn't worry. He didn't despair. This is what Scripture says. Now when Daniel learned that decree, the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Some translations say, as he always did. Daniel had some stuff to worry about. Like a den of lions. And I don't think that little bells on the edge of his clothes were going to help him when those lions got hungry and decided to attack. He could have gone home and sat in his rocking chair and thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, worry, it's kind of like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. Daniel had a habit of praying of going to God when there were things that were going on in his life that he didn't have control of. He took it to God in every situation, the good and the bad. And I'm sure Daniel knew this verse from the book of Proverbs that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. Go to God. And when you don't know what to do, go to God. And when you're scared, go to God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Hey, there are some things in life that you're just not going to be able to fix. And there are some things that we will never understand. And you can take all of it to the Creator. Hey, when something's going wrong, who knows better? than the one who made you. What can we learn about going to God in prayer from Daniel when we are faced with anxiety and fear and maybe even danger? Well, first, Daniel had a place. He had a place. It says Daniel went to his upstairs room. Because of Jesus, you have access to the Father in prayer anytime anywhere. And if prayer is going to be an instinct for us, a way to overcome anxiety, then it needs to happen all the time in our lives. Have you ever heard anybody say something like, my whole life is a prayer? 
or I pray while I'm mowing the grass, or I pray while I'm driving to work, and those are good, good things. Hey, if you're one of those people who prays while you commute, keep your eyes open, okay? (laughs) Do you know, there's something powerful and holy about having a sacred place, a place where you meet with God. And it's not that that place is any more special than any other place on earth, but we are physical and spiritual beings. And you approach that physical spot with a spiritual expectancy, and you prepare room in your heart to meet with God. Now, God is always ready to hear your prayer, but when you have a place, you approach that place ready to pour out your heart to God in prayer to ask God to take away your fear. And then you're ready to hear from God. Do you have a place in your life that you can set aside to pray? Maybe it's a chair in your house or a corner of a room with windows that reveal God's creation. Maybe you have a a literal closet that you can turn into a prayer closet. John Wesley was a Christian leader in England in the 1700s, and he spoke fondly of the faith lessons that he learned from his mother when he was a kid. For her, with a whole bunch of small children running around her house, she would take her kitchen apron and pull it up over her head as a prayer closet, a way to eliminate some of the distractions and focus her time and energy on prayer. Have a place. Another tool that we can learn from Daniel is to have a rhythm of prayer. A rhythm of prayer. Daniel went to that prayer room three times a day. He was persistent in prayer, and he was consistent in prayer. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you're like me. If I don't have something on my schedule, it just doesn't get done. I don't love to-do lists, but I know they're effective. Some people love to-do lists. You know anybody like that? Hey, my wife loves to-do lists. Like, I think she finds so much joy in marking things off the list. You know, I've actually seen her write things down on her to-do list that she's already done just so she can mark it off, right? I can see some people getting nudged right now with elbows. You do the same thing, right? That's some commitment to list making. Maybe all of us would be wise to put some intentional times of prayer on our to-do list, to put it on our schedule a couple times a day. A whole bunch of people around here have, have found using this simple prayer book called A Guide to Prayer for Ministers and Other Servants as a helpful way to guide what is called the daily office. And that is simply this, a couple times a day set aside for prayer, meditation, scripture, and devotional reading. And it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be long. Most people who practice the daily office begin and end the time in silence for at least a minute. A minute of silence. Now, depending on your personality, that may sound terrifying or it may sound like pure gold. Some silent space. To hear that still, small voice. At the Bel Air campus, 
We've had this schedule for praying the last several months. We've been praying together at 7.50 in the morning and 7.50 in the evening that there would be 750 people worshiping together there on the weekends. And it's been an amazing experience. And you know what? Those prayers are changing things. And those prayers are changing me. And praise God, the campus is growing, and we're getting close to that number right now. But you know what else is happening as we're praying together? We're growing close together as a community because we're united in prayer. I'm more on fire to reach people for Jesus right now because I'm praying about it all the time. You know, usually I have to stop what I'm doing at 7.50 in the morning and 7.50 in the evening. Like in the morning, 7.50, we're getting kids out the door ready for school. We're packing lunches. It's a crazy time. And then in the evening, we're at, a, we're at some sort of activity at 7.50, just about every evening. But I have to stop what I'm doing to pray. You know what that's doing? It's making my relationship and my conversation with God a priority in my life. That verse says that Daniel prayed in that room three times a day, as he always did. He had a conversation with God, God that had been going on for a long time. He didn't have to start something new when times got tough. You know, it's hard to start a new good habit when you're in the middle of a difficult situation. It's hard to think straight when you're in the middle of an anxiety attack. Hey, have you ever walked into a room that you've never been in before for the first time and the door shuts behind you and then all of a sudden you are in complete darkness, can't see anything, and you start running your hand along the wall looking for the light switch and somehow you just keep missing it. You can't quite find it. But if you've been there before, you know where the light switch is. And you know where to run your hand to find that switch. And if you've been there enough times, you don't even have to think about it. You've got muscle memory built up. Your hand just instinctively goes right for that light switch. Hey, when your life has a history of prayer, when you have a conversation that's ongoing with God, your response to worry, your response to anxiety, your response to stress is to instinctively reach right for the source of the light. To take it to God in prayer, in every situation. When things are going smooth in your life, talk to God. So that when things are hard, your instinct is prayer. You might be saying today, man, I, I would pray, but I don't even know what to pray. Or, I don't even know how to pray. Your prayers can be very simple. Very simple. Last week we heard about breath prayers. Breath prayers are short prayers that you can say in a single breath. One that is very powerful is called the Jesus Prayer. We're going to pray this together right now. We're actually going to pray a few prayers together in the next few moments. But this one goes like this. You breathe in. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. And then breathing out, have mercy on me, a sinner. Let's try this together. Breathing in. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, and then breathing out, have mercy on me, a sinner. One more time. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I mean, I think something just changed in here. 
Like, I think I can feel our collective blood pressure just drop a little bit right now. We've surrendered some things to God. You know, after you pray a prayer like that, you start telling God about the things that you're concerned about, the things that are going on in your life. God, I'm worried about my finances. Or God, I'm, I'm just so stressed all the time. Or I'm filled with anxiety. God, I'm scared that my kids aren't going to make good decisions. Prayer is a spiritual practice. And when you practice something, you get a little bit better at it every time. Praying words that have been carefully written by someone else can be a helpful way to pray. One helpful prayer is called the serenity prayer. It's a prayer that can help us when we struggle with anxiety and depression. It's powerful. It's been used by people who are in recovery and used by people who just know that they need the grace of God in their lives every day. And that's all of us. That's all of us. We're going to pray this prayer together right now. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. And maybe that's a prayer that you need to memorize. Or maybe you need to print it off and stick it in your wallet or in your purse so that when anxiety clouds your mind and it's just hard to think and you don't know where to turn, those words are right there with you. Maybe you've had the same experience as a lot of people where you've prayed for something and that prayer wasn't answered the way that you wanted. Or it seems that it wasn't answered at all. I mean, Daniel prayed to God, and he was, he was saved when he was thrown into that den of lions. But Paul prayed for that thorn in his flesh to be removed, and it never was. Peter prayed, and his chains fell off when he was in prison. And I've prayed, I've prayed for friends to be healed from cancer. But they were called home. Maybe you've prayed about your anxiety but it just seems like it's always there. You didn't ask for it. Or it seems like God is answering everybody else's prayers except yours. I found this, that when I'm praying persistently and consistently like Daniel, that I start to notice the ways that God answers prayers. And it's not always the way that I want. And it's not always on my timing. And you know, I don't know the end of every story, but I have seen God redeem struggles and anxieties and traumas and situations that just seemed impossible. Paul said, His grace is sufficient for me. That's my prayer for all of us, that God's grace would be sufficient for all of us. And you know, life's not always going to be easy. There, are, there will always be hard things in life. The Bible says that. 
It says, in this life, you will have trouble. There's going to be things like anxiety. There's going to be things like sickness. But what if we just really believe that, that God's grace was sufficient for us? What if we lived that way? What if we lived that way? You know, sometimes when you don't know what to pray or you don't know how to pray, it can be powerful to have some people pray with you and to pray for you. Every time there's a service at Mountain, at any campus, there are people there at the end of the service that want to pray with you. The things that are going on in your life that you just feel like you can't, you can't, you can't handle yourself, there are people that want to pray with you and hold you before God. What if we all just like set aside our pride? What if this was a place where we prayed for each other? This Wednesday starts the church season of Lent. It's the 40 days leading up to Easter when people put a special emphasis on prayer. Many people will choose during Lent to fast from something, to give up some kind of indulgence. And that's a way to not only identify with the suffering of Christ on the cross, but also to help our desires turn from the things that we want to the will of God in our lives. On Wednesday this week, there'll be services at all the campuses for Ash Wednesday. And I want to issue this dare to you today. What if this year, as we approach these 40 days, instead of giving up chocolate or Netflix, what if there was a worry or an anxiety that you could give up during this season or that you could give to God and trust God? I dare you to take your anxieties to God in prayer. Create a space, a rhythm, and a conversation. When you came into service today, you were handed a small rock like this one. You've probably been wondering, what in the world have I been holding this rock for for the last little while? Well, this rock is called a worry stone. And it's something that you can carry around in your pocket. And when you start to feel anxiety taking over, you can take that rock out and hold it between your thumb and your first finger and use it as a way to remind you to pray, to remind you that God cares about you. John Wooden was a basketball coach for a long time at UCLA, and he had a habit of carrying around a small wooden cross in his pocket, kind of like this one. And when asked about that practice, he said this, when the game gets tense, and I, I sometimes reach in my pocket and I finger that cross, and it reminds me that there are things in life that are more important than basketball. I've been carrying around this worry stone in my pocket for the last three weeks as I've been studying for and thinking about this message. And every time that I've reached into my pocket to grab my keys and my fingers have brushed against this worry stone, it's reminded me to pray, to hold my anxieties the things I'm worried about before God. And then it reminds me that there are things that are important in life, and I want to pray about those things, like my family and this church. 
And this message, I've been praying about this message, and I've been praying about all the anxieties that we carry. I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. I dare you that every time in this next 40 days that you're tempted to worry, to pull that little stone out of your pocket and remember that you have a God who loves you. And he's big enough and strong enough to take care of you and to hold your anxieties. Psalm 62 says this, Yes, my soul finds rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people, and pour out your hearts to Him. God is our refuge. Hey, when you're holding this physical rock, be filled with a spiritual expectancy. And let it remind you that you are talking to the God who created you, and He is the rock that you can build your life upon. And when everything around you feels uncertain and unstable, when anxiety clouds your vision, you can pour your heart out to God in prayer, and you can say, I will not be shaken because you are near right here with me. There's an old Christian song that says these words. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Let's pray together. God, you are our rock. We know that because you are with us, we don't need to be filled with fear. God, help our lives to be defined by your grace and not our worries. God, I pray that we could live in a way that says your grace is sufficient for me. Help us, God, to trust that you are a foundation that is big enough and strong enough. And we pray that you will help us to find places and times to, con to continue our communion and our conversation with you. In Jesus' name, amen.